The Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals presents the timeless teaching of Dr. Donald Gray Barnhouse. Christ the Lord is risen today, hallelujah. Sons of men and angels say, hallelujah. Raise your joys and triumphs high, hallelujah. Sing, ye heavens, thou earth reply, hallelujah. Thus, the church throughout the English-speaking world sings on the day of the resurrection, and thus we may sing today and every day. It makes no difference what Sunday of the year it may be. It is surely the day of resurrection. Over a half a century ago, the late Dr. Donald Gray Barnhouse, then pastor of 10th Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia, saw the need to spread God's Word beyond the hearing of his local congregation. He started the radio outreach which has become known as Dr. Barnhouse and the Bible. The application of God's Word as taught by Dr. Barnhouse is as relevant today as when he first taught over the radio airwaves decades ago. The message we will be featuring on today's edition of Dr. Barnhouse and the Bible is entitled, The Power of His Resurrection. On what day do you celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Perhaps you would say Easter Sunday, or you might say that you commemorate His resurrection every Sunday when you go to church. But we should celebrate His resurrection every day of the week because the power of His resurrection life is available for every believer every day. Do you experience the daily resurrection life and power of Jesus Christ? The scripture text for this edition of Dr. Barnhouse and the Bible, Romans chapter 6 and verse 4. Here again is Dr. Donald Gray Barnhouse with a message entitled, The Power of His Resurrection. Through the Lord Jesus Christ we come unto thee, our Father and our God, and in the Holy Spirit. We thank thee for the grace that thou hast manifested to us in Christ Jesus. We worship thee because of thy being and all of thine attributes. There is none like unto thee, and this is our joy and our boast. Bless the truth to each heart in this hour, and use it to bring restlessness and conviction to those who have not been born again, or who are out of thy will, and to bring strength and joy to those who are seeking to know and follow thee. We ask it through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Our text continues our study in Romans 6, 4. Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father. Men of ritual and liturgy may divide the Sundays and call them Sundays in Trinity or Sundays in Advent. They may have special Sundays, which they will call Whitsunday or Nativity, but to the believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, who comprehends the inwardness of spiritual truth, Every Sunday, and in fact every day of the week, is a day of resurrection. The songs which some churches sing only at Easter can and must be sung by us on any Sunday in the year. Yes, 
No matter what the day of the week may be, it is the day of the resurrection for the one who has been touched by the power of God and raised into the newness of that life of the resurrection along with the Lord Jesus Christ. He lives, he lives, Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me, he talks with me along the narrow way. He lives, he lives, salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. And so today is Resurrection Day. There is an old story of a minister who went to a country church in England to take the services for a day. He handed the verger a slip of paper with the numbers of the hymns to be posted on the announcement board. A few minutes later, the verger tipped back into the vestry, saying that he thought there must be a mistake since it was September and the numbers of the hymns were those for Easter Day. There was no mistake, and the people that day learned that it is possible to have a resurrection day in the autumn. Christ was raised from the dead, our text tells us, through the glory of the Father. The use of the word glory for the medium of the resurrection is most interesting. It's a simple figure of speech, a metonymy, where one word is used for another thing that it suggests. It is similar to Christ's words in the communion service, as oft as ye drink this cup. Now anyone can understand that it was not the cup which is drunk, but the wine that was in the cup. And here we must understand that it was not the glory of the Father which raised Christ from the dead, but the power of God, which performed such an amazing wonder that it can be considered as nothing short of glorious. Four of the modern translators have sensed this to the point where they have been willing to use two different words to translate the one Greek word. Weymouth states that Christ was raised from the dead by the Father's glorious power. Williams and Verkeuil have adopted this phrase in their translations, while Phillips, in his paraphrase, states that just as he was raised from the dead by that splendid revelation of the Father's power, so we too might rise to life on a new plane altogether. Now there's more to this than meets the eye at the first glance. If we should ask what was particularly astonishing in this particular miracle, we are immediately drawn into a consideration of the significance of the event and the implications which flow from it. There were other resurrections which are recorded in the Old Testament and in the Gospels before the time of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, but there was no display of glorious power in them such as we have set before us on the third day after the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus. Elijah raised from the dead the son of the widow who had fed him during the years of famine. And this was indeed a display of power, but there was no more to it than reversing the direction of an automobile. You bring your car to a halt and slip it easily into reverse and back around to make a turn. The same principle was used by God on several occasions to reverse the laws of decomposition and decay, which had set in on somebody which he determined to bring back to life in order to accomplish his purposes. God, who had breathed the breath of life into the primal clay, could easily do it again when the law of death, which he himself had promulgated as the wages of sin, should have removed that breath from the body. Even when the Lord Jesus Christ raised bodies from the dead by commanding the souls to return to them, he was using no more than the simple power of his command. 
But when the Lord Jesus Christ himself was raised from the dead, there was something far different in action. If we read all of the Bible with reference to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, we discover that the whole of the plan of God centered here. This was the climax of that which had been begun three days before, when the Son of God was nailed to the cross as the Savior. He had not been the Savior until that moment. And now the resurrection is the active declaration by the triune God that the whole eternal plan of redemption and triumph has been brought to pass and that all of the glory of God will be forever manifest in that which was done here. Like a diamond whose many facets gather in the beams of light and in dispersion reflect and return that light in all the flashing colors of prismatic glory. So the redemptive work of Christ in the cross and the resurrection catches all of the glory of God and displays the wonders of his love and the working of his mighty power. When the son of the widow of Nain was raised from the dead, when the daughter of Jairus came forth from the tomb, when Lazarus was brought back to life, there was only a single life involved in each case. But when the Lord Jesus Christ went to the cross, unnumbered millions of billions of human beings were seen by God as being on the cross with him. Abel was there, and all who have believed God's word about the blood of the atonement since that day. Enoch was there, and all who have walked with God, crying out their agony against the ungodliness of this present evil world system. Noah was there, and all who have refused to look at the illusions of the five senses when they are in contradiction with the revelation of God. Abraham was there, and all who have been willing to see the invisible and to look for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. The infant child of David was there, and all the innumerable hosts of babies of Asia and Africa and other places near and far who died before reaching the age of accountability. Mary, the mother of Jesus, was there because the original sin with which she was born was being placed on the body of the Savior to which she had given birth. One of the two thieves who hung beside him was seen by God to be in Christ. And all like him who have trusted in the Savior were on Calvary with the dying lamb. I was there. That fact is the awe-inspiring wonder of my life. I contemplate the fact with an amazement that it is indescribable. Why should he have loved me? But he did. When I was a young Christian, I sang some of the great hymns without understanding what they meant. To be loved by Christ was something quite normal. To be taken in one stride, we were not unlovely people. and God would not have to accommodate himself very much in order to have genteel folk such as we in his heaven. But as the years went on, he answered the prayers that I uttered even as I sang beneath the cross of Jesus. I fain would take my stand or Jesus keep me near the cross. There the precious fountain flows or alas and did my savior bleed and did my sovereign die. I sang these hymns I say but I did not realize all that they meant until I was drawn more and more to the cross. And then the glory of it really took hold of me. When I was no more than in my teens, I sang a duet with a friend with words that I knew were beautiful, 
but which now, years later, grip me and stir me to the depths of my soul. I stand all amazed at the love Jesus offers me, confused at the grace which so freely he proffers me. I tremble to know that for me he was crucified, that for me, a sinner, he suffered, he bled and died. Oh, it is wonderful that he should care for me enough to die for me. Oh, it is wonderful, wonderful to me. And now, having established the fact that all of the innumerable host of the believers were in Christ as he died, we can see the amazing scope of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ from the dead. For he did not rise alone. That is the heart of the gospel. And that is the basis of the whole of the teaching of the word of God. When Jesus rose from the dead, Abel, son of Adam and first to die upon this earth, arose from the dead with him. When he arose from the dead, Enoch, though he had been translated for a time until he shall be brought back to die during the great tribulation, Enoch was given life evermore in the resurrection of the Lord, whom he loved and for whose return he looked. Noah was there, vindicated forever by the triumph of the Lord, who had shut him into the ark in safety through the flood. Abraham was there, the father of the faithful, and all who have been blessed in the covenant promises made jointly to him and to his seed, the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, they were all there, David and his infant child, the thief who believed on him, his own mother Mary, forgiven and cleansed by the death of her son, and all the innumerable host of the believers of all the ages. And I was there. That is the fact that I can never get over. No man can really comprehend this truth and be the same again. It is because of this identification of all the believers with the Lord Jesus in his death that the resurrection becomes so important. It is because of our identification with the Lord Jesus in that resurrection that he took such a display of the power of God Almighty as to be described in terms of glory. We have seen how in the epistle to the Ephesians, the Holy Spirit ransacked the vocabulary of strength and power to describe the raising of our Lord from the dead. Paul prays that the young believers might know what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and you who were dead in trespasses and sins. The passage is strong in the English translation, but to read it in the original Greek strikes hammer blows to the mind. The power which the Lord God displayed was indeed glorious. Now in raising the Lord Jesus Christ from the dead, the Lord God the Father exhibited his power over sin, his power over death, his power over matter, his power over Satan, his power over time, and his power over eternity. By the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the stroke of sin was seen to be ineffectual in destroying the sinner. Oh, sin indeed had brought physical death, and it had brought the second death. But with the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, it is seen that the stroke of sin could not suffice to separate the sinner from God forever when the Lord Jesus had intervened in his behalf. The soul that on Jesus had leaned for repose, 
he had demonstrated by coming forth from the tomb would not be deserted to the soul's foes. Though all the power of the enemy would attempt to shake the soul, the Lord Jesus, by coming to life through the glorious power of the Father, had brought an end to sin's dominion over the individual. Instead of sin, holiness would reign. And by the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, the stroke of death was seen to be powerless to hold its prey. Like a scorpion with a sting in its tail, death had struck at man, and its poison had penetrated the life and being of all of the race. But when the glorious power of God was displayed, and the life of the Lord once more swept through that sleeping clay in the tomb where they had laid his body, death lost its sting forever. Oh, what a cry of triumph we find in the great chapter on the resurrection. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? Now, in this same triumph, we see God displaying his glorious power over matter. In the creation, he had formed the body of man out of the dust of the ground. Into that dust, he had breathed the breath of life, and man had become a living soul. Then the enemy introduced sin and death passed upon the race. The bodies of men grew old and declined and finally disintegrated into death and corruption. But of the body of Jesus Christ, it was said, thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. There in the body of Jesus Christ was matter, physical, tangible matter, matter which now existed in a state other than that which gripped all of the rest of the matter of this planet. It was not possible that he should be holden of death. And thus, in his resurrection, he established the pattern for the resurrection of our bodies. These bodies of our humiliation shall be made like unto the body of his glory, which he had in his resurrection, by the power which he has to subdue all things unto himself. Thus we can again in triumph cry, so when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. But it is the resurrection of the Lord Jesus that has set the pattern for all the victory that shall follow. The glorious power that was displayed in bringing him from the dead is the guarantee of the resurrection of all the hosts of believers out across the world and across the ages. Their bodies have long since moldered into dust. Out across the fields and the seas of the world they lie, of whom the world was not worthy. There is the glorious company of the apostles. There is the goodly fellowship of the prophets. There is the noble army of martyrs. There is the holy church from every part of the world. See them rise from the dead because he was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father. See the men and women that braved the flames for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. See those who died in the arenas of persecution. See the victims of the Inquisition and the martyrs of Scotland's hills. See them coming like flowers thrusting up from the fields in springtime. Out of all the cemeteries of the earth they shall come. Not one shall be left behind. 
this dust of the human body, which had to be hastily put out of sight, lest it corrupt the living. This dust comes forth from the grave in the triumph of resurrection life. This dust, this matter, which had been the chariot of corruption and the vehicle of decay, now becomes the torch which shall forever blaze without being consumed, and the chalice which shall hold the wine of eternal life. Once again, we go on to see that the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ exhibited the power of God over the rebel, Satan. Lucifer had precipitated the reign of death by his mad thought that a will other than the will of God could bring order and not defeat and chaos. Satan had cried out, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also on the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. And now, with the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the breath is gone from his boasting. And he who once knew the sweep of mighty angels in his train now is seen to stand vaguely like a scarecrow in a field until the moment when he shall be toppled into the lake of fire, which was prepared for him and for those angels which followed him. Now the universe knows that no will other than the will of God the Father, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, can stand for a moment in the presence of the Prince of Peace, who has become the Lord of life. The resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ by the glorious power of the Father shows his lordship over time. In the midst of the ages, the Savior died and rose again from the dead. Now our Lord can reach back to the Garden of Eden and reach forward to the end of days and can draw men unto himself from all these ages. At the open tomb of the Lord Jesus Christ, the ages telescope into nothingness. Time disappears and is robbed forever of its deceiving hold over the mind of men. And out of this victory of the resurrection flows the demonstration of the glorious power of our Lord through all eternity. The resurrection of Christ is that which brings time and eternity to meet together. In the defeat and the ending of time because of the coming of the Lord of life, is the sureness of the triumphant victory of the life of eternity. There the hourglass filters out its last grains of sand, never to be turned again in that flow which reminds us of a past and a future. Through the power of his resurrection, we enter into the timeless present, where the past has been blotted out by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and the future shall flow in an ecstasy which will banish all thought of time. And we are not to think of this merely as a life that is to begin in the future, but that which is already here and now for those who have entered into eternal life. This, we discover, is in great reality the life of eternity already being lived in time. How shall we explain this? to those who do not know it. How can you explain color to a man born blind? How shall the creatures of the time world live outside of the sphere of their existence? 
But how shall we who are partakers of that glorious resurrection power live any more a life that shall be of time and for time? Eternity, oh eternity, we enter into thee by the door of the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And having entered in, we want no more that which is of this world. Henceforth, we shall use it, but not abuse it. Henceforth, our true home is not here. We have seen him. We have been made alive in him. And our God and Father, we pray thee that thou shalt take this word to each heart in this hour. If there should be those who have not been born again, give them restlessness, that they may know no peace until they come to rest in Christ. But upon thine own who have truly believed in thee, may thy grace, thy mercy, and thy peace abide, and a new sense of resurrection life for today. And unto thee be the glory and the majesty, the dominion and the power, now till our Lord Jesus come again and forever. Amen. Jesus Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Have you embraced this glorious truth and been raised from death to eternal life through the power of His resurrection? We hope you have benefited from today's message by Dr. Barnhouse entitled, The Power of His Resurrection. You can listen to additional Bible teaching by the late Dr. Donald Gray Barnhouse anytime, anywhere around the globe via the Internet by visiting the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals website at AllianceNet.org. An audio copy of today's teaching is available by calling us toll-free 1-800-488-1888. Today's message again is entitled, The Power of His Resurrection, or simply request message number R6-20. We would also like to make available to you a free copy of our booklet entitled, This Man and This Woman. The value of marriage and the family is rapidly declining in our culture. The resulting epidemic of divorce and broken families has infested our society and even the church. This free booklet underscores the sanctity of marriage and its vital role in the church and in society. You will understand the true meaning and significance of Christian marriage and find biblical answers to questions about mixed marriage, divorce, and remarriage. Ask for your free copy of This Man and This Woman when you call or write. Dr. Barnhouse and the Bible is a radio ministry of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals headquartered in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. We exist to promote a biblical understanding and worldview. Drawing upon the insight and wisdom of Reformation theologians from decades and even centuries gone by, we seek to provide contemporary Christian teaching materials which will equip believers to understand and meet the challenges and opportunities of our time and place. Dr. Barnhouse and the Bible comes to you through the generous gifts of our listeners. If you have benefited from the broadcast and would like it to continue, please prayerfully consider a donation to help us keep this ministry on the air. For more information or to make a contribution to support and further our work, please contact us by writing Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals, Box 2000, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, 19103. Call toll-free 1-800-488-1888 or visit us online at AllianceNet.org. Be sure to ask for a free updated resource catalog featuring books, audio teachings, commentaries, booklets, daily devotionals, videos, and a wealth of other materials from outstanding Reformed teachers and theologians, including Donald Gray Barnhouse, James Montgomery Boyce, Michael Horton, and Martin Lloyd-Jones. 
Then join us again next time for more classic teaching on Dr. Barnhouse and the Bible.